You are listening to Cut Jib Newsletter Speaks, the podcast. This is uh, series number four, episode 10, for Friday the 8th of September. I said August last time. It's uh, 8th of September, 2023. J.J. Sefton here, along with my good friend, co-blogger and co-host, CBD. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Um, so uh, it's actually a, sort of an interesting week uh, in uh, in the world. Um, my... I noticed a very interesting story about Liberty Safe. Um, they gave up a, uh, a back door into a January 6th uh, protesters gun safe uh, to the Justice Department or the FBI or somebody. Uh, they gave it up with very little uh, pushback. And uh, they've been getting eviscerated on uh, social media, which I think is a wonderful thing. Uh, Charlie Kirk wrote that it was that Liberty Safe was sold to uh, a an investment firm, a liberal investment firm, um, and they've given uh, about four hundred thousand dollars over the last ten cycles um, to Democrats like Warnock in Georgia, Fetterman, um, Mandela Barnes, your favorite in Wisconsin, oh. and Mark Kelly in Arizona. Um, and uh, the CEO of Liberty Safe is a guy named Justin Hillebrand. Uh, he's one of the founding partners of the um, investment firm, and he donated 4,600 bucks to Obama for America. So uh, they betrayed their customers. And uh, as I said, they're getting eviscerated on social media. And apparently, they have backtracked, which is a wonderful thing. Um, it, it demonstrates the power of social media to do good things as well. Anyway, I thought uh, I thought that was interesting. Indeed. And just just I, mean, I don't want to we don't want to take too much time because we want to kind of do quick hits and get to a lot of subjects. But, um, you know, it's interesting that, that he backtracked and all this kind of stuff. But couldn't this be construed as fraud? I mean, really just massive fraud, because in the first place, supposedly this uh, Liberty Safe company uh, purportedly, uh, you know, advertised itself as conservative, as being in line with conservative values and therefore attracted or should I say swindled a whole bunch of clients and customers out of their money and trusting them and here at the, that we find out that this guy was really just a phony all along same deal with the black rifle coffee company i guess to a to a lesser extent but i would imagine this maybe this would open this guy up to a major class action lawsuit but uh, it's really it just goes to show you really just can't trust anybody these days no matter what they how they label themselves absolutely um and it's incumbent upon the conservative movement to force the issue uh just the barest hint of, of vacillating or, wa or going wobbly and they have to push back hard and it seems to have worked with liberty safe so uh anyway uh we'll, yeah, we'll keep absolutely. an eye on them absolutely so one topic that you know we mentioned on, on the last podcast when we were talking about various issues we were talking about uh, and bemoaning the fact that the gop uh, in particular in the senate outside of maybe a few people that you can rely on we couldn't think of anybody that that really was a standout and a stalwart. And there is a man there in the GOP, in the Senate, who is an absolute, so far, a superstar. And his name is uh, Senator Tommy Tuberville from uh, the state of Alabama. And what he has done, and this story is bubbling under, you really don't, you sort of don't really pay attention to it, but it's an amazing thing. Evidently, um, as we all know, the Department of Defense since the Obama years, and especially now with people like Lloyd Austin and uh, General Vanilli uh, Milley, or whatever the hell his yeah. name is. Milley Vanilli, fine with me. Milley Vanilli. 
Vanilli Millie, and they have basically eviscerated the the officer corps down to you know flag officer of people who are normal and patriots in the service of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and really having people in there in these roles that are nothing more than than uh, lackeys to the state and uh, and anti American to the core, such as this Colonel Vinman and his brother, for example. But evidently, Tommy Tuberville, to his credit. Um, has put a hold on a whole bunch of promotions on at, at the at the Department of Defense, and these are really major things like Secretary of the Army and Secretary of the Air Force, to name uh, a few, because of the issue of abortion. Because uh, here is an article from the American Conservative by Harry Scherer, not to be confused with Harry Shearer, the commie comedian, but um, Austin's blank check for service member abortion reimbursements put a target on his back for the senior senator from Alabama, Tommy Tuberville. And just to backtrack, uh, what they wanted to do with these, the, with the Department of Defense wanted to skirt the Dobbs ruling and basically provide abortion, I think almost up until the point of birth for any service member. And this was uh, directly in violation of, of national policy and, and the Supreme Court ruling. So in December of 2022, the former Auburn football coach sent a letter to the secretary in which he claimed the proposed policy changes would be illegal and promised in an accompanying tweet, I will hold him accountable. And he certainly has. He has put a hold on the promotion of some of the most vile people that you can possibly imagine, such as, um, let's see, uh, the Secretary of the Army, uh, the nominated Chief of Staff Randy George, who told the military newspaper Stars and Stripes that results from an Army survey released in February that reposted 13% of respondents believe women and racial and ethnic minorities are discriminated against in the service. That perception necessitates the diversity and inclusion training that many Republican lawmakers deride as unnecessary liberal initiatives that weaken the force. I mean, it's, that's one example. And there's another one, this Brown character, the Secretary of the Air Force, who is a total diversity and and you know white supremacy no oh, it's it's unbelievable how how quickly the armed forces of the united states have devolved into this chaotic mess of woke policies um at, at the expense of military preparedness and and that's what scares me about this and i don't i don't give a shit about these people's personal politics but they have a they have a job to do and that is to defend the united states of america and what they are doing is destroying our readiness on the altar of, uh, you know, of transgenderism and and racial politics and and you name it and and they're going after it, it's it's unbelievable to me. I I have a um, a friend who is uh, closing out his military career, and up until a few years ago, he talked about how, you know, it sounds like it's really bad, but it really isn't. But in the last couple of years, he has changed his tune, um, and yeah. apparently the the amount of wokeness in the armed forces is overwhelming. Uh, it's everybody now. And right. uh, that, that bodes ill for, for America in the, in the next, for the next generation. Absolutely. As, as you say, CBD, I wouldn't care about somebody's personal politics necessarily, but the problem is now the personal politics, specifically hardcore Marxist, Leninist, leftist politics is the policy of the Department of Defense, at least in terms of staffing and in terms of uh, recruitment and so on and so forth. That, that, does, that, that destroys not only the people who want to perhaps pursue a military career because they want to defend the country, but also it destroys our preparedness. Diversity is is absolute madness. And I think the great Daniel Greenfield 
uh, in writing a similar article, said that, uh, you know, if diversity is our strength, then why do we have to lower our standards? And I'm saying, wow, that just, you know, that that's amazing. That that, that just hits the nail right on the head. Yeah. But God, kudos to Tommy Tuberville. Absolutely. He really is, uh, he is a, you know, it, he's it's interesting. He He's yeah. the senior senator from Alabama, <laughs> which says exactly. something about the South. I mean, you know, the realignment in the South is fascinating. It used to be that, you know, these guys would get elected and serve for 40 years and then, uh, you know, die uh, the day the day after they uh, left office. But anyway, so yeah. uh, let's move on to something else. Um, Sefton and I were talking before we began the podcast about this uh this home invasion uh, home invasion i think in uh Min- in minneapolis no, no it was a carjacking i'm sorry carjacking. It was a carjacking yeah yes it was a democrat here's a woman who is i, I i'm butchering her name is I, I don't know her name she it's a, it's a very long and complicated sort of vivek ramaswamy kind of name but he's he's memorable and she's sort of not and apparently she was carjacked and you know, this is a woman. She's part of the party. It's not just the Democrat Party, as, as many know, but this is called the Democratic Farm Labor Party, which their history goes back almost 100 years. They're basically communist, hardcore, you know, Marxist communist party. And uh, she was one. In, and of course, in Minnesota, where, where the George Floyd incident occurred, she was loudest and very loud uh, for defunding and, and dismantling the police. Now, all of a sudden, she comes out and is claiming we have to have police and we have to fund them. We have to find these criminals and prosecute them to the fullest extent of the law. Of course, she threw in a little sort of throwaway line, which a lot of people noticed about, quote unquote, illegal guns. But what strikes me is that you look at the photograph of this woman and it, it she has blood on her face, but she doesn't look dis- really distraught at all. The blood doesn't really look like blood. And for a woman who supposedly had her leg broken in the carjacking, remarkably does not look to be in any sort of pain. So this is kind of a puzzler. Yeah, I agree. Um, her name is Shivanthi Safanandan, which is, uh, that's a great name. You gotta, you gotta admit that. Um, yep. And as, as you say that she's a DFL leader, uh, the DFL, uh, l- uh, let's be honest. Um, it's a uh, socialist slash populist uh, front. That's all it is. Um, th- th- these people are, are socialists or communists or hard, you know, hard lefties. And there's there's no way around that. Um, they pretend that they're Democrats, and the the idiot uh, soft leftists in Minnesota gobble that shit up. But it is the reality. They are socialists. Um, mm-hmm. And I am looking at that photograph. She doesn't. Her face doesn't look swollen. She doesn't look particularly upset. And she immediately went onto social media to take a selfie and uh, and write about this. Um, I'm I am deeply suspicious. Right. The curious, the curious, yeah, the curious thing for me and people say, well, it's, you know, she's faking it. But here's the thing. When you look at a crime, a faked crime like the Juicy Smollett crime, um, the, he blamed the, 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 the victimizers or the perpetrators of the crime supposedly were uh, MAGA, two white guys wearing MAGA hats claiming this is MAGA country. Turns out they were two hired Nigerians who beat him up. So I'm saying if this was a, a you know, a setup. Why were why can't we see who these uh, victim the the or why isn't she reporting who the victimizers were? I mean, you would think she would say it's two white guys, two white supremacists who beat her up, but you know, all of a sudden she's silent and she's going against the Democrat Party line of uh, defunding the police and so on and so forth. It's a very bizarre, you know, it's bizarre. If you're going to fake a hate crime, you want to put your your message out there. Yeah, as to, that, uh, that's an excellent point. Um, four okay. very young men all carrying guns beat me violently. Huh. Um, or maybe, maybe she, uh, maybe there's, you know, part of this is true. And she was just so upset that she forgot the talking points of, of, uh, 
<laughs> two, two white guys with blonde hair wearing MAGA hats, beating her with AR-15s with the uh, the thing that goes up. Uh, anyway, um, it is interesting, and the the uh, the segue for, for in her head from you know defund the police to we got to lock these guys up is just delicious. You know, you got to you have to enjoy that no matter what really happened. Right. I mean, for me, it's like, look, whether she faked it or not, the fact that if, if she did fake it and she blew she blew her pre prepackaged lines of who to blame, uh, it's still schadenfreude for me, you know, regardless if it's faked or not. I mean, you know, look, you if you supposedly sowed this, then you reaped it and enjoy it. Enjoy it. Good and hard. But yeah. we shall see. It remains to be seen, as Mr. Trump would say. Well, hopefully uh, there there is a sea change in the United States and and we are no longer going to put up with with th- this sort of of left-wing violence and, and, uh, and unfortunately racially motivated violence in this country. I think people are sick and tired of, of crime. And I think it's going to be a bigger issue in the 2024 election than the Democrats think, uh, whether the, the great, uh, quiet and, uh, unattached or not unattached, but, uh, Anyway, I'm trying to think of a good word to describe the people who don't really give a shit about anything else other than what's going on around them. Uh, that if would they be start... from clueless and low information. Yeah, I, it's it's not clueless because they see it, but they choose not to pay attention to it. But they have to start paying attention. And they that's and that's the big question. If they pay attention, we we have a shot at recovering uh, the America that is lost. If they don't pay attention, we're, we're dead. Absolutely. Agreed. Another interesting article um, in the, the free press, um, written by a scientist who, and I'll, I'll read you the headline, I left out the full truth to get my climate change paper published. I just yep, got published in Nature article. because I stuck to a narrative I knew the editors would like. That's not the way science should work. Well, good for him, um, but he did get it published. So uh, he, he played the game long enough to to get that extra line on his cv and uh long enough to to get the credit of publishing in nature which is uh, what used to be at least a uh a relatively prestigious uh, publication but uh, yeah. the, the idea that um that the editors are are vetting this kind of crap uh beforehand for political correctness is not surprising to me at all yeah, it's not. I mean, they, they you have to you can't really trust, you know, like this uh, Liberty Bank or whatever. It's for sure. You you cannot trust um, the media these days unless you can absolutely vet who they are. Most media these days, like everything else is being has been totally corrupted by uh, left wing influence and left wing uh, memes, especially in the sciences where, um, you know, climate change, quote unquote, and global warming and all these things are the consensus of, of opinion. But uh, of course, there's no such thing as consensus in science. So it, it, it is a sad state of affairs that you have to go along with uh, you have to go along with this madness in order to be published. And as they say in in academia, it's either publish or perish. And if you don't do it, then 
then you will perish. And of course, if you publish the wrong thing or the wrong thing or the wrong think, I should say, and they let you publish it, then there goes your career. You're, you, you'll be ostracized and, and kicked out. So it, kudos to him for, for coming forward with this. Of course, the leftists will attack him. Oh, he's just, uh, he's grandstanding and he, you know, this is all bullshit and so on and so forth. But no, he, he, this is the truth. Either you, you publish propaganda and you lie about it, whether you believe it or not, or you, um, that's it. Your, your, your career is effectively over. Well put. Yes. So this actually is a great segue into um, an article I just read um, by a woman that I really enjoy. Her name is Melanie Phillips, and she's a, a British um, pundit, I guess. And she writes um, excellent, excellent stuff decrying the, the failure of the West to protect itself. And she makes uh, wonderful, wonderful fun of the, the the moral confusion of the left and how they they simply dance from idea to idea um, because, of course, their ultimate goal is power, nothing more. And she's, and the her newest piece is called The Unspeakable Versus the Uneatable, uh, whatever that means. I think she's quoting Oscar Wilde. I haven't heard that quotation. Um, but she's talking about the ADL, the Anti-Defamation Anti-Defamation League of the B'nai B'rith and their their little fight with um, Elon Musk. And she's critical of both of them. But I think she's missing the idea that free speech is essentially unrestricted. If you restrict it, it is no longer free. And she's trying to dance on the line that certain speech is a bad thing. And in particular, uh, speech that is clearly anti-Semitic and clearly um, flirting with the you know the tropes of you know Jewish bankers and Jewish cabals and and you know they they control the media that kind of crap. But I have to disagree with her. And she's an intelligent woman and she writes wonderfully. But I think that free speech is free speech and we should allow it everywhere. And if somebody says something really, really dumb and inflammatory and and vile, well, attack him with words, but don't attack him by deplatforming him. Absolutely, without a doubt, absolutely, one hundred percent. You sort of uh, this this story CBD highlights a, a very interesting you know double edged sword. The ADL, it's I believe it's run by this this character named Jonathan Greenblatt. Yes, who is spit he is an- spit vomit he is an ardent ardent leftist and the adl like we just mentioned with media with everything else has been corrupted and co-opted and destroyed from within and and made into a leftist organization and essentially you know it's interesting people say well you know if you you criticize israel that's not anti-semitism you're you know you're just you're just criticizing the state of israel which is which is of course wrong and so they're trying to say well if you criticize the adl worse if you criticize an actual nazi collaborator such as george soros then you're being you're being anti-semitic and it's just it's just laughable at, at, at best the adl is is basically a left wing front group at this point it it um it opposes anti-Semitism only, only as a as a dodge or in the breach, if you will. It doesn't really oppose. It doesn't really care about it because uh, you know people, you know, like like Muslim terrorists and so on and so forth, are 
are basically ignored or excused or explained away. Whereas if a, if a white guy shoots up a synagogue and that is horrible, he is immediately associated with Donald Trump, with conservatism, with America as founded and so on and so forth. And to me, that has nothing to do with us, but that's, you know, that's another story, but it is kind of a salient point. So it is interesting. And if Elon Musk wants to criticize the ADL, he's criticizing them because supposedly they shook him down for money and they're a front group. And he criticized them. He said, ah, they're criticizing us here, an anti-Semite. Elon Musk is an anti-Semite. We should uh, do away with X Twitter or whatever it's called. And it's a total joke. Same I, thing with this. You're right. It is a total joke. And, and in fact, um, according to Greenblatt, I am an anti-Semite, which is interesting. Um, the, the thing is that Greenblatt is actually a, a a very, very aggressive person when it comes to right wing or far right anti-Semitism. He's very, very good at finding that real or imagined as and as you pointed out, he ignores Jew hate on the left. Right. Um, well, the thing is, the thing is well, before you go any further, what is far right you know, what is the far right and what is the far left? And this is one of those things that, you know, whatever you think of Glenn Beck, this was one of his pearls of wisdom from many years ago that really hit me like a thunderbolt. He said, there's no such thing as a left and there's no such thing as a right. and There's no such thing as a center. You're either for limited government and, and freedom or you're on the sliding scale towards more and more and more government intervention all the way down to total totalitarianism. And that is the quote unquote left. We on the right. I can't be any more extreme for freedom than I can be. There's no, the only thing extreme freedom is anarchy, and I'm opposed to that. So I, I reject this notion of far right and right and left and so on and so forth. Unfortunately, it's in the lexicon, and we kind of have to – we're sort of forced to use that terminology. But uh, but what he's trying to do is anything that is not, quote-unquote, leftist or Democrat, such as black racism and Antifa and so on and so forth – he will immediately pin on us, on, on the conservative movement, on the pro-American, the pro-freedom movement. This is why the, you know, the Oklahoma City bombing, even though it was targeted against someone like a Bill Clinton, and, and, and we reject it completely, they use that immediately to go after the right and to go after Republicans, and they go after Rush Limbaugh and so on and so forth. And we had nothing to do with this. We disavowed it completely. Meanwhile, when somebody tosses a Molotov cocktail at a police car or um, like this guy who got the wrist slap, as opposed to the January 6th defendants like a, a Tario of the Proud Boys, he gets a slap on the wrist and Tario gets 22 years in prison. Um, you know, this is this is ridiculous. So, Jonathan Greenblatt, what say ye about this? We know what he's going to say. Well, of course, you know, he's he's an Obama uh, hack. Um, yeah. He he defended. Uh, first of all, he's he's viciously um, critical of of Israel's prime minister, uh, Netanyahu. Uh, for what reason? I really have no idea. Uh, well, yes, I do. Uh, he's, he's the wrong party. Um, right. He's he's protected. Uh, Al Sharpton, he's defended Keith Ellison, and this guy's a real left-wing hack. Um, right. Anyway, the, the, my, I'm, I'm losing track of my point, which was that, <laughs> that free speech has to be essentially limitless, and the antidote to vile free speech is, is reasoned and logical free speech, and that will almost always win over people who have the capacity to change their opinions right. and for and for Melanie Phillips to criticize Elon Musk because he errs on the side of more free speech rather than less I think is unfair um I 
invite everyone to read her stuff. Uh, she really is an intelligent and perceptive commenter on on the uh, on the West, and she's definitely worth a read. I simply disagree with her. Uh, yeah, I think she's on. I think she's on Substack, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Yes. But yeah, yes. here's the thing. Here's the thing she should do if she if she is a uh, you know has an issue with Elon Musk. Well, why don't you freaking debate Elon Musk? And have him on uh, on your you know have a show a podcast or whatever and say Elon why are you attacking the ADL and Elon will give you his position and then you know if you just want to shut somebody up then you have no a you have no argument and b you know your argument is wrong and you just want to use it for political advantage that's all it is that's all censorship is and I totally agree with you which is funny why however many you know forty seven forty six years ago of all things, the ACLU defended the American Nazi Party's right to march in the Jewish neighborhood of Skokie, Illinois. Meanwhile, where the hell are they today defending the rights of the January 6th protesters who really were just protesting and then whoever got led into the Capitol was just, you know, being foolish. They certainly weren't really violent. Where are they on defending that? Where are they defending Donald Trump's, whether you love him, hate him or whatever, right to protest an election? And that's what he did. They're nowhere to be found. So it's all just, you know, it's a crock of shit. But you're right. Unless you absolutely go after, uh, unless you are promoting violence or, or call for violence, almost anything goes to me. 99.9% of speech should go, whether you find it repulsive, repugnant, or whatever, because that gives you the opportunity to refute it, as you should have. Absolutely. So uh, speaking of free speech, um, Representative Comer uh, yesterday came out with an interesting comment and that is that a house impeachment inquiry can be what might be voted on as early as the middle of this month which is uh, i guess a week from now um yeah. now this has been ignored by the mainstream media um and of course the the crimes possibly committed by our president uh have been essentially ignored by the mainstream media now is that free speech? Is is the fourth estate in America su supporting the idea of free speech by not speaking of what is, I think, rampant criminality in the White House and rampant criminality on the on the part of Joe Biden that goes back probably for his entire career as a hack. I mean, not a hack politician, as a sleazy, uh, molesting politician from Delaware. You're right. I mean, here's the thing. You, you, you bring up a very salient point, CBD. Um, it's there are sins of commission and then there are sins of omission by not reporting. Yeah, if a tree, the tree falls in the forest and nobody hears it. Did it make a sound? Same thing here. If uh, Joe Biden, the, the pervert criminal who sold out his country to, to our worst enemies and worst thugs around the world and at home, uh, if nobody reports on it, is he really a, is he really a criminal? And of course he is. It's just that they're not reporting it. It's almost as it, it is a form of censorship by not by not reporting something as much as it is, uh, you know, not well. I mean, it's the same thing. It's you you are censor it's censorship or by uh, by obfuscating or by changing or by you know tainting the words of uh, somebody else to make them look bad as. You know, we have the Trayvon Martin call and so on and so forth. But, yeah, not reporting is uh, is basically you know, it's a 12 ton, thousand ton element elephant in the room that uh, Joe Biden and his son uh, are absolute to use the word criminal is the understatement of the century. And uh, they're they're almost in a way guilty of of, of covering up the crime as uh, as as Joe Biden's, you know, immediate family or handlers may be or Merrick Garland or this David Weiss character in not prosecuting Hunter. 
it's uh, you know they're, they're part of the same uh, criminal element and hypocrisy that is preventing the American people from seeing what's going on. But at a certain point, they're not going to be able to see it be it's they're not going to be able to prevent it because if it goes forward in the house then of course it's it's going to be reported on but Absolutely. of course how is it gonna, how is it going to be reported they're going to report it as a political witch hunt and yep. and, uh, and and retribution and because of the righteous prosecution of course of donald trump well look what they did with uh what's his name larry sinclair the uh the guy who uh had had sexual contact with um with a uh state senator from illinois in 1999 what was his name? Barack Obama, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. This guy was credible. Maybe he is lying. Maybe he isn't. But it is incumbent upon the fourth estate to have examined those charges and discovered whether they were they were true. Um, but they ignored it because they have they have a, a political agenda. And it's clear. It's obvious. They wanted Barack Obama to be the president of the United States, and they would do whatever it took to make that happen. Speaking of homosexual drug addict degenerates <laughs> and, and Barack Obama, you know what the the media is also not reporting? The, the, the chef of this guy, his personal chef, this Tafari Campbell fellow, who somehow mysteriously drowned while surfboarding or, or wakeboarding or whatever it is, literally right off the coast you know, off of uh, Barack Obama's beachfront property, which is funny because the oceans are going to be rising 20 feet and swamping, uh, his beachfront property on Martha's Vineyard, and they are totally embargoing that. Could it possibly be that Tafari Campbell was about to publish uh, a tell-all novel about his time as the Obama chef in the White House? Eh, merely coincidental. But uh, Andrea Whitberg, I believe, over at the American, uh, the American Thinker, she had an interesting take on this uh, on this Larry Sinclair character. If you go back a, a number of years to when uh, Obama's early years, even bef- you know, before his presidency and before he was smoking crack with Larry Sinclair, there were several other mysterious deaths of gay black men in Chicago that nobody seems to want to report. This is at his time. And uh, one person in person in particular who uh, was a, a fellow attendee of the wonderful Jeremiah Wright congregation that uh, you know, that uh, Barack Obama was there for 20 years, but claims he never heard the anti-Semitism. So all of these things, is it uh, tinfoil hat nuttery? Uh, you decide. Either way, why isn't the, pl- the press at least reporting on this? Nobody's, you know, it's amazing. Any kind of sexual hinkiness with a, with a Republican? Oh, my God, it splashed all over the all over the papers. I mean, this E. Jean Carroll knucklehead. You know, even though her the rape charge was dismissed criminally, you know she's suing Donald Trump for a, because of a non whatever it is for. But look at look at the nonsense oh, that they that they started with with uh, when Donald Trump was in Russia, he was you know he hired hookers to urinate on him. I mean that, that's just insanity. And yet they, they ran with that for months and months and months. Absolutely, it's 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 disgusting. But yeah. so I know something do? else that's very interesting, and that is that um, the Biden junta is considering keeping the uh, wetbacks um, in Texas, and that would uh, protect their their um, blue city shitholes from becoming even more of a uh, of a mess. Um, how they would do that, I have absolutely no idea. Um, you know, pa- passing a, a law to prevent Texas from moving illegals out of Texas uh, would make it so blatantly obvious that the only purpose or one of the purposes of allowing illegal immigration is to is to punish the red states. I mean, it's that's it, that how what other assumption can one make if if confronted with with that 
uh, from the Biden right. administration? I don't know. It's poppy. It is poppy. It is basically re- population replacement. You know, basically, that's what it is. It's sort of a reverse ethnic cleansing, if you will, which everybody claims is tinfoil hat nuttery. But of course, it's happening. And what are the two states, Texas and Florida? What happens if either Texas or Florida or both of them become a majority Democrat by these artificial means? Guess what? That's it for elections. I'm assuming elections aren't stolen in the first place. But you lose Texas, you lose Florida. It's game, it's game set, and match for America down the tubes permanently. And I find it interesting that, that a judge or, from Hawaii declared that uh, Greg Abbott's blocking of putting these barricades in the Rio Grande was uh, illegal and he ordered them removed. And of course, the left was crying because some wetback drowned in there. Oh, my God, they drowned. It's a, it's a national catastrophe. Meanwhile, that, that's a spurious claim. They, they drowned somewhere else. It had nothing to do with the barrier. And let me tell you something. If you see a barrier in a river and you're going to cross the thing and it's dangerous, are you going to jump in the river and swim it? And you've got to be crazy to do that in the first place. But this brings up the intriguing question for Greg Abbott and DeSantis and anybody else really on the border. If they're ordering you to do something that is a, that is that is, you know, prima facie against the citizenry and against the constitution isn't it about time for you to start just disobeying these judges rulings and telling them to go pound sand that's the that's the question now for greg abbott if i were him i'd tell him to to tell these people to screw off we're keeping the barriers in and we're deporting people wherever we can deport them i agree force a constitutional crisis it's the only thing that's that that is going to to save america we have to have a constitutional crisis uh, I don't know which way it will go, but it's anyway. So um, I was in Philadelphia a couple of days ago for a few hours. And, I'm sorry to uh, do that. <laughs> yes, unfortunately. And and I've been going for, for many, many years. Um, and it used to be a, a really fun town, um, you know, center city, obviously, and maybe, you know, walking down into South Philly um, for food. Um, yep. But uh, over the last several years, it has the the decay has been obvious and this week i was shocked in spite of my expectation that it was going to get worse and worse and worse it has gotten significantly worse and this is center city which is you know the the crown jewel of philadelphia and the i used to see cops everywhere i didn't see a single policeman in center city philadelphia and the number of of decrepit, decaying, empty storefronts, the the bums on the street, the filth on the street, the stench of urine, um, the sense of chaos was far worse than I have ever experienced there, and it's sad. Um, and I'm yeah. and what's interesting is that uh, I mean, this is coincident to to this, but the uh, the police commissioner um, has resigned. Um, Danielle Outlaw has resigned, but unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, I know it's a great name, but unfortunately, guess where she's going? She's going to be a DA or what? <laughs> well, she's going to the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey as a deputy oh. chief security officer. So Perfect. she's going to, I mean, not that, that New York needs any help uh, screwing it up, but uh, they're, they've just imported a somebody who was at least indirectly responsible for the absolute disgusting, awful decay of a once great city. Well, it's what's his name? It's May. It's uh, Kenny, the mayor. It's that idiot, uh, Larry Krasner, the Soros DA. And it's this woman. They're all yeah. and every left wing politician who makes sure that 110 percent of the black vote come out to vote every two, two to four years. This is what this, this is how you get this destruction. And on a parallel note, 
uh, a very good friend of mine who will remain nameless to protect him, uh, who lives out in, who still lives in LA, but is desperate to get the hell out of there. Uh, he was walking through, you know, riding through Beverly Hills of all places. And Beverly Hills, he says, you would not believe just how desolate it has become. Stores closed. And he says there is a preponderance of black females who are very well-dressed and a lot of them very overweight, believe it or not, acting as lookouts for criminals and thugs to go in and do these mass looting sprees in the stores there. Because, of course, the DA there, I believe, is George Gascon or Gaviscon or whatever the fuck his name is, Xlax, is not going to prosecute people. And you have these mass criminal waves of looters and shoplifters and muggers all over the place. And this is Beverly Hills, you know, which is, you know, I mean, how can you possibly, you know, well, people put up with it. You vote for this, you know, like this woman in Minnesota or wherever you deserve what you get in good and hard. And this is made up. And this stuff is not being faked in Beverly Hills. my friends. This is the real thing. No, it is absolutely the real thing. And uh, you can see it probably in every, ma- every major city in the United States. Um, I see it around here. Um, I mean, I haven't been in New York in, in, in probably a couple of months. And, uh, I really have no desire to to go back into the city because every time I've gone in, I've seen this incremental decrease in the quality of life and an incremental increase in the aggressiveness of even the typical New Yorker, which I find, you know, now, you know, everybody jokes about how aggressive New Yorkers are, but there, there was always a, an undertone of, um, of, this sounds silly, but aggressive civility. Um, you could always ask a New Yorker for directions, and he might be a gruff little prick, but he'll tell you how to get to the, uh, you know, the World Trade Center. Well, unfortunately, not the World yeah. Trade Center well, anymore, yeah, yeah. but you know, um, Grand Central, but, whatever. Yeah, yeah, and but that seems to have uh, have degraded somewhat, and yeah. even even people walking on the street uh, seem to be more aggressive, and and it's just a, a less pleasant place. And uh, of course, New York is uh, is trying to implement surge pricing for uh, driving below 60th street in manhattan which is going to you know that might actually be the nail in the coffin for midtown manhattan because i'll be damned if i pay 20 bucks extra on top of all the significant costs to go into new york city i know Mm -hmm. that new jersey is suing Uh, i think some other um, municipality is going to sue to to end it because it's it's going to be uh, first of all it's it's a tax on poor people more than anything else it's oh, as absolutely. aggressive as it gets but secondly it's going to it's really going to hurt what little chance new york has to to crawl out of the mess that that uh two democrat mayors have put them in i mean it's purely anecdotal i was just in new york city really the only reason i went back was to visit my my elderly elderly relatives that's it there's no other reason really for me to go back there because it's dead but um you know it's it used to be I mean, the joke was, um, you know, a tourist is in New York and he asks someone, excuse me, sir, can you tell me which way is Grand Central Station or should I just go fuck myself? But <laughs> but the thing is, New Yorkers, the attitude of New Yorkers was just they were gruff because they're, you know, look, they, they, you know, you're, you're in a rush. It's a fast paced city. You don't have time for things, you know, and, and they would sort of, you know, people were gruff that way. But it wasn't it wasn't necessarily because they were evil or mean. Now, the attitude of New Yorkers is it's that. I think they they're they're literally scared out of their wits that they're going to get mugged, beaten up, punched. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's, so they just they're just on people are just on edge because of self defense more than yeah. anything. I'll give them that benefit. I was certainly 
believe me, and I'm a native New Yorker, and I lived through the bad old days of the 70s and 80s, and I was on edge constantly. Luckily, nothing happened, but you are right. Stores are closed, the stench of urine, the stench of marijuana everywhere. It's just, uh, it's dead, Jim. It's dead. And speaking of dead, we are out of time. And uh, folks, thank you very much for listening. Uh, This is Cut Jib Newsletter Speaks, the podcast. Thank you, folks. Thanks for the cards and letters and the tip jar. We really appreciate it. See you on the next one.